Super Talk Mississippi media production. Taylor Swift is coming to New Orleans, and Margaritaville Resort Biloxi and Super Talk are giving away a free pair of tickets. For your chance to win, go register now at Margaritaville Resort Biloxi and get your name in for the final drawing from Margaritaville and Super Talk 103.1. Howdy, howdy. It's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Morning to you. Welcome to Middays on Super Talk Mississippi. Gerard, as he mentioned last week, off for a couple of days this week, so you're you're stuck with me. Congratulations. I, I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm very proud for you. But there's one thing that we know, and right now I haven't seen you since, uh, I believe, the late 1800s. It, it has been far too long. It has been a minute. The, the few chances that you've had to get in the hot seat, I've been away as well in recent memory. So, yeah, it's been way, way too long. Yeah, I, I think this is probably the longest time we have gone without being on the air together or seeing each other in years. Got to be. At this point. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But there's one guarantee. This is kind of a, a joke here in, in the company. Uh, if Dave is on the air, obviously there's a catastrophe happening. That's happened over and over, hasn't it? Seems like it's a trend. Well, that goes all the way back. If you remember, I was on the air the day that the, uh, the uh, Memorial Day shooting happened down in Bogachitta. And it just started there, and it seemed like every time I was up here, we had a bad weather event. Uh, we were on the air when the entire world shut down because of COVID three years ago. Can you believe that was three years ago? Doesn't feel like it, but then again. Well, we haven't stopped yammering about yeah. it. Of course it doesn't feel like it. It never stopped. It did. It just, uh, you know, some people don't want to acknowledge that. So, yeah. So today, of course, uh, I would just like to give everybody the best advice I can think of, and we'll we'll dig into this later. We have other things to talk about first, but uh, don't 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 look at your four hundred one k today. It's not pretty. Not good for your heart. No, your blood pressure, your 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 sodium levels, everything. Uh, yep, <laughs> Thomas and Greenwood, perfect on the C Spire text line. Banks failing and Dave in the chair. Yeah, that pretty well explains how this always seems to work. Something is going to go horribly wrong. It's not planned that way. Uh, it just happens sometimes. Uh, and I really hate, in a way, uh, that Gerard is not here because this is his bread and butter. He'd be all over this. But he had these days off planned a couple of months ago. Oh, yeah. Uh, it didn't just happen, so it just unlucky roll of the dice that he's not here. So you're going to have to deal with us explaining it instead. I just wonder if anybody gave him the update from uh, the 
authorities to let people know that if you're on your way for spring break to the Gulf Coast, be on the lookout for the deadly jellyfishes. Yes, the uh, Portuguese man-o'-wars are all over the beach. Florida has uh, two Americas worth of seaweed coming in. It's not usually a unit of measurement we hear, but... Yeah, it's That's the one they went with. It's twice as big as America. So, two Americas of seaweed. And, of course, if you go to Mexico, you're not coming back. So, you're kind of limited on options for beach time for spring break, I'm afraid. you got to be very careful with that. Uh, we, we have all of that to talk about. Yeah, Have we gotten to the bottom yet of backyard burgers? What's going on with them? Something bad, obviously, because they seem to be shutting down or closing down just about everywhere. Yeah, and uh, like in the middle of a business day, some of them, in the middle of a shift, they just got a call and said, lock the doors. Clear the building, lock the doors, go home. That's not a good sign. We don't have any details yet. Nothing has been released. We just know that. That's bad enough, especially in the current situation and the current climate that we have that we're having to deal with. And again, we'll get to that later. Coming up in just a few minutes in the next segment, in fact, we're going to talk Oscars because we had the Oscars last night. Uh, Short round now has a trophy. That's probably the happiest thing I've said in a while. Did you see the shot of him and Harrison Ford hugging it out afterwards? That was great. The, the every time I see him and Harrison Ford get together, it it just it pulls on that nostalgia heartstring. Yeah, it does. And you know, have you seen the story where he saw him at one of the other award shows? Somewhere oh yeah, and an appearance, and he came walking up, said, "I don't even know if he's going to remember me," and said, "Finally, he just turned around, looked at him, and stared at him with that Harrison Ford stared, did the PowerPoint, and said, "Are you short round?" <laughs> and he said. Yes. He said, come here, and hugged it out with him. So he remembered him. He recognized him immediately. I don't know if anybody would pick me out if they saw, like, you know, the last time they had seen me, I was seven. It would be tough. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would be tough for anybody. So obviously he made an impression on it. But anyway, we're going to, Tanya's coming in here. We're going to talk about the Oscars last night and what happened. Had some firsts. uh, Had some overdue things, I think. Uh, and the point that you brought out before the show, which I think is very well received, a, a, a mark of distinction for what now will have to, by default, be considered a classic movie, Encino Man now can claim two Academy Award winners among its cast. We just got to find some Darren Aronofsky film for Polly Shore to star in, and it'll be a trio of Oscar winners from Encino Man. <laughs> That's the way it works in Why? Hollywood. If you Why want to not? win a little golden statue, you got to work for Scorsese or Spielberg or Darren Aronofsky. Yes. Yes. That's, that's, or with De Niro. Yeah. You know, you get in a movie with De Niro, you got a decent shot at that point. Uh, Nicholson used to be in that category. He's not really there anymore, is he? He's, uh, he's, He's a bit of a dinosaur by Hollywood standards from the way he acts on set and his demeanor. But, yeah, he, he used to have that, that pull. Yeah. Not quite so much anymore. Uh, also, some good news. We have a chance for you to be a winner before we're done here at noon. 
Of course, it's Monday, so we're done at noon. Uh, if that gives you a bad, trembling case of the sads, don't worry. I'm here tomorrow, too, so you get an extra bonus dose of Dave. Uh, but we will be giving you a chance to win tickets to see Train at the Brandon Amphitheater. They're coming. They're packing in some good acts at the Brandon Amphitheater. It's just one good one after another that they're announcing. I, I, I don't know who they hooked up with, but they got some powerful connections somewhere because they're getting the good folks in. Uh, train will be there. We're going to give you a chance to win tickets before we're done here today at some point. Train has come a long way since I first saw them. Really? I saw them in 97 or 98. It was late 90s. Opening for Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> yeah, that would classify as coming a long way. If you last remember them as the opening act, or as it's called now, because, you know, opening act is so derogatory, they're now in support. Have you heard that? Have you seen that? That's now the new term for opening act. It's not an opener. It's not an opening band. No. At the, in the, to put it in those words for what you're talking about, you saw Train in support of Hootie and the Blowfish. Because, you know. Hootie needs the support. Right. But it's a more positive thing. They're the opening act. They will always be the opening act. Why? Because they open the show. They're up first. That's why it's called opening act. They ain't supporting nothing. But that's the term that they use now. So, yeah, if the last time you really had any direct knowledge of them, they were an opening act for somebody, yeah, they've kind of graduated a little bit. I guarantee it's going to be packed out, though guarantee you tim and mcgee that, that that's a pretty close estimation to where i've been thanks <laughs> well no i'm not going to read it out loud but uh, he just said we're in the and uh, yeah it's, it's, you're in the neighborhood my friend you're in the neighborhood tim thanks for uh thanks for the text there uh dog yeah well, well thank you i'm kind of fond of you too my friend no problem Miss you guys on uh, on the chat line. I did. Oh wait, hold on. Sean Aston was an Encino man. I forgot about that. He was Dave. That's right. He was. See, I've been falling behind on my research and my study. I haven't seen Encino man in a long, long time. The only other name I can think of from it is uh, one of those nepotism babies from hollywood although i don't think it really worked out well for him what was what was dom deloise's son's name was it mike michael uh i think he was in it too i don't think it was michael was it now you're talking about the son that went on to be the dad on wizards of waverly place because that, that was dom deloise's son maybe we're thinking of a different person maybe so how many Deloises could there be, though? Well, that's true. They got to be. They got to know each other at least, right? <laughs> they exchange Christmas cards. It's obvious. When we come back, now that we've dealt with the weighty entertainment matters of Encino Man, we'll talk about last night's Oscar awards with Tanya T in the chair. Up next, keep it here. Back to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi.
Getting played in cinematically as is only appropriate. We have in the studio with us now here on Middays, uh, live in the Element Well Studios, our resident movie critic slash expert slash awesome <laughs> person, Tanya T. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. How about you? Just fine. Did did you actually get up at any point during the ceremony to like go refresh your snacks or did you just I sit did. there glued? I, I, you know, fortunately there are commercials, so I um, did get up a time or two, but I stayed pretty locked in. It was, you know, one of those, you never know what you're going to miss, so you don't want to get up. Now, having said that, uh, now, of course, you know, last year what happened kind of set the bar high for things you didn't see coming. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> That's an understatement. By the way, did we ever get a final count? How many slap jokes did Jimmy Kimmel make? Oh, at least four. He had them um, peppered throughout the ceremony. But my favorite is as it ended and you see him going off the stage, they've got one of those boards up. How many ceremonies since last incident? And so he was able to put the zero to a one. <laughs> That's perfect. That is perfect. My favorite one, I think, was in reference to something that um, – was kind of unusual for the first time in decades it wasn't a red carpet yes they changed it to champagne and you know that's one of those things that the stylists are aware of and i feel like they got it wrong and thought that they said wear champagne because all of the fashion was very drab i mean very little color Everybody looked great, but it just wasn't anything super special. Uh, with a few exceptions, um, you know, I, I loved Carrie Condon's dress, um, Melissa McCarthy. They all chose to wear color. Janelle Monet, uh, one of the actresses from Top Gun, they were the stands out, standouts for me. But everybody else, including a lot of the winners, won just kind of drab white gold silver you know very subdued yeah and i wonder if it wasn't subdued on purpose to overcompensate for last year maybe they they didn't want to look too exciting uh and i loved kimmel's comment about the carpet when they asked him about it going to be uh, going to uh champagne carpet instead of red he said i think it just reflects our high confidence that we will have no bloodshed this year I was like, that's, okay, so good. that's a good one. That's a, you're dead on there, Jimmy. Good job. Yeah, well, it's very interesting because they said it has been red since the 1960s, which I'd never thought about that. You know, every award ceremony had red, and then, I don't know, in the last 10 or 15 years, some of the others have departed, like Critics' Choice have blue. Um, you know, just to put their own twist on that. But Oscars has always been red. Yeah, well, my favorite part is they also said, uh, they came right out and admitted, said, well, we need to still call it the red carpet, even if it's not red. Yeah. And I'm like, you're missing the point, <laughs> but okay, whatever. Uh, now, the the other thing, though, yeah, we didn't have uh, the, the surprise like we had last year, thank goodness. Uh, we we didn't have a lot of surprises in the winners, did we? No, everything was really predictable. Um, there were a couple of categories like Best Actor, um, a supporting actress that have been split between two um, artists. And so you knew one of the two would win. And that was no exception last night. I was very happy with everybody that won, um, except I was really rooting for Austin Butler. But um, 
you can't root against Brendan Fraser either. That's you what know? I was going to say. Yeah. You know. So, you know, you can't be mad about him winning, but I really wanted, I really thought Elvis was going to come away with a lot of wins, and they were shut out. I was very, very surprised uh, just because it was such a well-technically executed movie. I really thought they were going to get costume design, makeup, cinematography, production design. I mean, I just felt like that was theirs, but I was wrong. Well, and some of the previous award shows, Elvis had taken some trophies home. Yeah, yeah. They've won Austin Split with Brendan. He won the Golden Globe, which is a biggie, the BAFTA, which is the British version of the Oscars, Um, and then Brendan got the Critics' Choice Award, and he got the SAG Award. So, you know, that one I really, really thought maybe the momentum was for Austin because it seemed like, you know, you see all of the voters' secret polls where they'll tell you who they voted for, and it seemed like he was the one that showed up on all of the the ones that I saw. But, of course, that's just a fraction of the people that uh, are actually voting. Now, of course, the big winner, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yes, and that's no surprise. They were nominated for 11 awards, took home seven. Uh, I guess the only surprise, or the one that was not a, a shoe-in for them was Supporting Actress. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis won another one you can't be mad about. How can you not love her? Uh, but I really was kind of pulling for uh, Angela Bassett just because that would be a historical win for Marvel. You know how much I love my Marvel movies, and I felt like she certainly deserved it. And she's another one that's won a bunch. But Jamie did just win the SAG Award, and that award, uh, I mean, that category is nom- is voted on by other actors like the SAGs. So I kind of thought there was a good chance she would win. But, you know, I, sometimes I just wish there could be a tie, you know. <laughs> you know, the the thing with her, and I mean, you know, she, she comes from Hollywood royalty yes. uh, in her parents, uh, but she is known primarily as a horror movie icon. She's done so much other th- stuff in her career, but that's kind of what she's known for. Yeah, and, you know, she says doing the Halloween franchise way back in the 70s is what made her career. And I find it interesting her mother became famous because of her role in Psycho. So it's funny that they both have their, you know, fame, claim to fame is tied back to a horror genre. Yeah, and I I thought that was interesting. And we haven't had a lot of people that have made the jump from horror movie star to Oscar. Yeah. That doesn't happen. It doesn't. And, yeah, I thought her speech, well, I think the theme of the night was tear jerk. I I think I cried from start to end. I mean, there just was such moving speeches, and hers was no exception. And she actually, you know, referred to her parents in her speech, and that's when she got emotional. Of course, if I see somebody cry, I'm crying. And so she had me in tears. That is that, that's unfortunately one of the bad parts, but kind of a good part because yeah. it's kind of a good cry yeah. in that case. Yeah. Uh, was there anything that you wish had gone differently with the Oscars? Um, not really. I thought I thought that the show overall was wonderful. I thought Kimmel was great. I thought the musical performances were great. 
I was really, you know, the I guess the big, one of the biggest surprises actually happened about this time yesterday. We found out Lady Gaga was actually going to perform when they had said she's not because she's filming Joker 2 and her filming uh, schedule would not allow her to rehearse. She was coming to the ceremony, but she would not be singing. And she walked the red carpet in this beautiful, fresh off the runway dress. She looked great. Um, and then she took it all off and stripped down to look like a mechanic, you know, working on a fighter jet and no makeup. And she just belted out her song, which that was my favorite song that was nominated. But I couldn't help but root for all of them. I mean, Rihanna's song from Wakanda Forever is incredible. And how can you not love her? And um, every performance I thought was really good, had its own special um, you know, part, but uh, I thought Lady Gaga's performance was really the best. Well, and I, I think that was probably the category to me. And again, I don't have your knowledge of all of this, but to me, looking at all of it, that was the one category where it was like, okay, I'm not really sure I can pick one out and go, yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. You to know. me, they were all equally deserving, but RRR, the Not Too Not Too, has won everything. So I expected them to win last night. And it their performance was incredible. You know, it's kind of the adult's version of Let It Go. It's like... Everybody is loving that song. They're dancing. It's like a TikTok craze. And the dance is so infectious. I'm like, wow, how do people do that? Uh, But it was kind of funny. I told my my sister and I were watching it together, and I'm like, I bet they are so glad they performed before Lady Gaga because her performance was so simple and, and stripped down that they almost looked silly to me, you know, in the end. <laughs> well, and uh, I can answer one question for you as to how they do the, the TikTok dance. They're way younger than I am. <laughs> That's how. I could get about 10 seconds into yeah. it, and then I'm calling for medical assistance. Yeah. That's just the way that's going to yeah. go. Uh, it was a good night. It was a, it was a great show for the Oscars, and I think a lot of deserving people won, with the exception of Elvis, which should have won everything it was nominated for, but we're homers, so yeah. we're allowed to think that's that. That's right. That's right. Yeah, lots of, uh, you know, first last night, first Asian woman to win Best Actress, first Indian film to win an Oscar, and that was the Natu Natu song. And I believe there was an Indian film that won one of the shorts or documentaries or something. I think it was a documentary. Yeah, so really big night for, you know, for history. Definitely. And now we start waiting for... Phase five of Marvel. Yes. <laughs> Next time I'm here, I'm here tomorrow. Come back yeah. in here and we'll do the whole show about Marvel movies because okay. you know I can talk about that all day. Tanya T, enjoy it as always. Thank you so much. Thank you. When we come back, less cheerful news. We'll talk about that next. <laughs> You're listening to Middays with Gerard. Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Super Talk Mississippi Middays, live in the Element Wealth Studios. Dave Hughes here. 
Well, I don't know if you've noticed, there's a little bit of news floating around. To Well, it was all weekend. When's the last time you heard the Treasury and the FDIC call an emergency Sunday afternoon meeting? That doesn't happen. It did yesterday uh, because of what's going on with the banking system. And I, I want to get into a little bit what is causing this, and it's not what you think. You've heard a lot of different things being thrown around, but I, I want to explain it from a different angle. But the first thing I think we need to make sure that we do moving forward is we need to institute something in the schools. We need to make it mandatory to watch every episode of every season of South Park and The Simpsons, but in this case, South Park, because if you want to know what's going to happen, go take a look at what they've done in the past. Do I really have to do this, Dad? Stan, now more than ever, you need to understand the importance of saving money. But Grandma said I could use this money to buy whatever I want. Okay, next, please. Go on, Stanley. How can I help you, young man? I got a $100 check from my grandma, and my dad said I need to put it in the bank so it can grow over the years. Well, that's fantastic. A really smart decision, young man. We can put that check in a money market mutual fund. Then we'll reinvest the earnings into foreign currency accounts with compounding interest, and it's gone. Uh, what? It's gone. It's all gone. What's all gone? The money in your account. It didn't do too well. It's gone. What do you mean? I, I have a hundred dollars. Not anymore, you don't. Poof. Well, well, what can I do to get back I'm my... I'm sorry, sir, but this line is for bank members only. I just opened an account. Do you have any money invested with this bank? No, you just lost it all. Then please stand aside for people who actually have money with us. Next. Yeah. There you go. And that concludes our report on the current banking crisis. Uh, and let's say something right up front. Yes, we, we had the problem with the Silicon Valley Bank that happened on Friday. Signature Bank in New York happened over the weekend, late Friday, but then yesterday they announced that the uh, the bank had been closed. They've got one right now, First Republic Bank, that is currently undergoing, uh, well, problems. First Republic Bank is down 60.49% on the stock market right now. That is, I believe, going to be the second day in a row that they have had a 60% or higher drop, if that holds for today. That's not good for them, so that could potentially be the third one going. There are a lot of different moving pieces to this, as you may or may not have heard. Uh, the FDIC, the Treasury Department, came out yesterday after their emergency meeting and said that they were going to cover all of the deposits for everybody. Now, that's whether they fall under the $250,000 FDIC limit or not. Whatever you had, you could get it as of this morning. I do know the U.K. branch of Silicon Valley Bank was sold for a dollar, well, a pound, because it was in England, uh, a symbolic transfer to another bank, and they're just going to keep going with it. The American version, well, the federal government is transferring it over into a holding bank, basically, uh, and they're going to run it as it was and keep things going. 
there there are several potential and unintended consequences here. We could very easily wind up, if that's not extended to everyone, with a haves and have-nots in the banking world, even more so than we ever have. The ones that are backed up and are not allowed to fail for any reason, and the ones, oh well, that that, that will be the official policy uh, if it goes that way. Right now, they haven't divided it out to that extent. And I will say, some of your uh, smaller banks, not really in the same situation as these. Silicon Valley Bank, Signature Bank, both of those. uh, Silicon Valley, very heavily into venture capitalist funds, very heavily into the tech sector uh, in America. Signature Bank was tied into crypto. So you've got problematic things on both sides. The crypto is crypto. Come on. Uh, the the text, you're laughing, Rhino. You know I'm telling the truth. Oh, yeah. Uh, Although Bit- I do still, every once in a while, I'll, I'll, I'll just look at it and go, how is Bitcoin still $20,000? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but I was about to ask, is it at 100000 yet? Because that's all mm-hmm. I heard last year from everybody. Oh, it's, it's going going to the moon, baby. No, no. Not, it, it hasn't even lifted off. Uh, Silicon Valley Bank, those problems stemmed in part from the continuous interest rate hikes from the Fed. Because that devalued their assets. Part of the problem that we're about to see moving forward, unless something changes, the Fed keeps raising interest rates. We're at, what, 4 4.5% now, I think, 5%? And they just made the statement they're going to keep raising it. I don't know if they're going to now, but they had just made the statement they're going to continue raising the interest rates. Banks, on the other hand, have not increased the interest rates that they pay out from money on deposit. So when you have a bank giving you half a percent return on your investment with them and a treasury bond giving you four and a half percent, well, everybody starts going to the treasury bonds and pulling out of the banks, which devalues their assets. It's more complicated than that, but this is this is the back of the envelope explanation of this. So the interest rate hikes had a direct effect on all of this. But there is one aspect of this that I think was best exemplified. I saw this on Twitter. Someone that was involved in the call for the emergency meeting yesterday. By the way, they held the emergency meeting to decide the future financial security and health of America in a Zoom call. Because, of course, they did. Yes. But apparently, and they, they have not been named yet, but the report is that one person asked and uh, towards the end of that meeting, were there any plans in place? Was there anything that they could do to censor any information on social media about banks and the problems that are happening? The response they got was, we'll look into that. Hadn't heard that anywhere, have you? Well, <clears throat> here's, here's the problem. Here's the catch-22. Censorship is not good, period. Never, ever, ever, in my mind, is censorship good. But we're in a different world now, even than we were in 2008. In 2008, Twitter wasn't really even breathing yet. 
Facebook was not really breathing yet, not like it is now. It was here, but it wasn't anything. None of the social medias were like they are now in 2008. 2008 on Facebook was a whole lot of updating your status and getting requests to rotate crops on Farmville. Yes. Whereas Twitter was just a way to update your status without the Farmville. Yes. You didn't get to raise crops. Uh MySpace still had a platform at that point. You'd go over there and somebody's favorite song and a little gif of a sparkle pony dancing would appear on your screen. That was the extent of social media at that point. You're laughing because you saw that. I All just... the social anxiety of being in someone's top eight friends. Yes! For the whole world to see. Tom was not crazy, by the way. He was the first one to ever cook the books on social media because he was in everybody's top eight. You couldn't get rid of him. Then he sold it, and you hadn't heard from him since. No. He, he took his millions and went to his yachet, and we haven't seen him since. And I don't blame him. Good for him. I hope he bought a new T-shirt. He had been wearing that one for a while. But as a result, things are different. Because I want you to go back, and I, I was telling you that we had some some indicators, some things that had happened over the weekend and this morning that hadn't happened since the stock market crash of 1987. One of them is the biggest three-day decline in Treasury bond yields since 1987, right after the stock market crash. Well, stock market hasn't crashed. One bank had crashed. And really, that one hadn't even crashed yet when this started, because it's a three-day decline. It goes back to next uh, last week before Silicon Valley Bank crashed. So what's going on? I'll tell you what's going on. In 1987 and 2008, you found out that there were problems with the banking industry through a buddy, through conversation, through talking to somebody. You, you, you didn't immediately get millions of people updated that there might be a problem and stirring up a panic. We have gone from the situation where it took a little time for these kind of things to unfold and happen, to it being almost instantaneous, because there's another aspect of this that ties into that and makes it especially volatile and dangerous moving forward. We'll talk about that after the break. We are on Middays on Super Talk Mississippi, live in the Element Wealth Studios, and we will continue this incredibly cheerful conversation next. You're listening to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to Element Well Studios, live on Super Talk Mississippi Middays. Dave Hughes here. Ben from Madison on the Ceasefire text line says, Only appropriate the best beards in radio are on the air when Ole Miss hires Chris Beard. Ben, do you not realize how far the deep state goes? This was all part of the plan. We had a, we had a meeting of the Follicle Brothers of Mississippi just 
yesterday to work all this out. But thanks for noticing. It's nice to have our efforts recognized. The rookies follow the money. The veterans follow the beard oil. Yes, yes. If 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 there are no follicles, there is no future. It's just that simple. Okay, let's get back to it now. Was talking about the impact of social media on this. I, I have put this in other ways, uh, or, or in in a way dealing with other topics. I should say in the past. Once upon a time. If you had horrible news that you wanted to inflate and make worse, or you had just something, some some complete wackadoodle idea that you wanted to spread around, you you typed something out on your typewriter and you took it to the post office or to the library and made some photocopies and then went around town posting it on bulletin boards and telephone poles and hoped somebody that was susceptible to your bright idea would stop and read it. Now you can lay in bed after you've awoken, but before you have risen, and spread all kinds of nonsense garbage, which can then prompt other people who are lying in their bed still to read it, and then here's the other part of this whole formula, and then immediately close down, shrink down their browser, open up their banking app, and move their money. And still never get out of the bed. That was not the case in 2008. That was not the case in 87. That was not the case at any point in American history. We now have an almost instantaneous connection between hearing some sort of panic-inducing drivel to acting on it and making it come true. To put in perspective, the, the number of tweets sent on Twitter... Per day in 2008, 300,000. 300,000 tweets a day on Twitter per day back in 2008. Wow. Nowadays, Twitter is running slowly if it has 300,000 tweets per minute. Instead of per day. Instead of per day. That's just Twitter. We're not taking into account TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and, and everything else. That's how much quicker information and misinformation spreads. Yes. Uh, that What that does is that allows panics to just immediately explode. You know, I remember you and I sitting here right now, gazing in wonder upon the immediate shortage in toilet paper that we went through three years ago. Why did we go through a shortage of toilet paper? Because so many people were running around saying we were about to have a shortage of toilet paper that everybody went and bought it all. And some people are still going through their hoard. Yes, well, I hope so. It was wasted time and money if they didn't. They should be set for the apocalypse. So now we have people saying, oh, you better go get your money. It's all going to be gone. And everybody is immediately rolling over in their bed, opening their app, doing a transfer, which is making it uh, come true. That's going to make it happen if everybody does that. So we have a very unique situation that the old rules in a lot of ways don't apply. Once upon a time, when we... Had this kind of situation come up, true story, you can go look it up. 
if you wanted to withdraw your money from the bank, you had to show up. You had to walk in. You had to stand in line to get in the door, possibly. Make your way up to the teller. Fill out your little withdrawal slip. Hand it over. They would count the money out to you. They were actually instructed and trained in times like that to count as slowly as possible. Not refuse you. Not say no. Yes, sir, that's fine. I'll get that money right to you. One hundred. Two hundred. And so forth and so on. You can't do that now. It's not possible. So even the made-up, ridiculous limits that they put into place, well, that's not possible anymore. If everybody decided today they wanted to withdraw all their money out of the bank, well, it could happen in five minutes' time until it just collapsed. That's the danger we're facing. It's not the interest rate hikes. It's, it's not the solvency of the banks. It's not the debt ratio that they have, the unrealized losses in their investments. It's the speed with which stupid can travel. That's our threat right now. Okay, we're going to get off of this subject, I swear. For now, I'm sure there'll be breaking news before you know it. Coming up after Fox News and then Super Talk Mississippi News, Tim Moore joins us here on Middays on Super Talk Mississippi and the Element Wealth Studios. Keep it here. And now, another hour of the talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Begin your transition now. Now on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, hour number two here on Middays. Dave Hughes in on this Monday, live in the Element Well Studios. We've been talking about a, a very <sighs> depressing topic for the last half hour, which is the financial world. So I figure we'll turn it to something cheerful, and that's the state of medical care in the state of Mississippi. <laughs> this was a bad choice, Tim. I could tell already. You're doing back to backs, aren't you? Yeah, this is not this is not moving in the direction I was hoping it would. Tim Moore, president and CEO of the Mississippi Hospital Association, I hadn't talked to you in a while, man. How you doing? I'm doing good, as well as we can. Yeah, yeah, well, as well as can be expected. We've got a lot going on, and uh, a lot more that needs to go on. Well, let, let's just get right into it. Okay. Uh, With everything that has happened and is still going on with this term of the legislature, if you had to give it a letter grade from the standpoint of the hospitals in Mississippi, what would you give it? Oh, goodness. That's uh, that's good. Um, You know, I would have to say an average. I'm going to say a C. Uh, because there's still one big issue that we just won't address. Now, on the things that have been done, I'll, I will give an A, uh, because uh, there there has been some good things moving forward. Uh, certainly, speak out and, and uh, appreciate the governor signing. Uh, bill that Rita Parks introduced. Uh, it was a nursing um, uh, bill that addressed some uh, some reimbursement for nurses or folks that went back to nursing school and came back to work in hospitals. So that's a good thing. The governor signed that, and we very much appreciate that. 
talking to a hospital administrator this morning, and one of the biggest issues still is the cost of labor, and that is not being reflected in reimbursement rates. So we continue to see decline in the financial position of our hospitals. Well, and that has come from several different things. The pandemic certainly didn't help it. Oh, absolutely. But... Uh, when you have a nursing shortage, you have to raise what you're paying them to Absolutely. be able to get them. Absolutely. And everything else has to keep up with that or there's a problem. And it, ex- it exploded with the pandemic because we, uh, everybody in the country all of a sudden had an even worse nursing shortage than they did before. Then it started branching over into other services, other provider categories, uh, whether it be lab techs or respiratory therapists or um, radiology, whoever. Everybody was looking for somebody to fill a spot. And, uh, of course, when supply and demand works, the wage goes up in order to fill the supply. And uh, until you reach a point that there's no more supply to gain, and then you start looking at, okay, how do I continue these services? Um, I mean, there's been a big talk about Singing River and OB. Um, that didn't have the, the, the manpower to, to fill the service. So you have to start looking at decreasing those. Well, it, it, it's a problem that's not going anywhere, no matter what we like to fool ourselves into thinking sometimes. No, and, and then the, the, the solution is not a simple one. It is very complex. If we get to talking very much into hospital finance, and I know we don't want to go back to finance today, but uh, if you go Why back not? To it, <laughs> you can't win an ocean, Tim. Come on. It is a complicated venture to try to explain uh, a lot of times to healthcare people uh, and definitely to, to lay people that don't do it every day, it is extremely complicated. And when we move one lever, it adjusts two or three things that you were not anticipating. And it's just, it's, it's hard to really grasp that because it is so interwined and it's so, um, it, it's just simply complicated in how it all fits together to work. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be that no. complicated. But over the years, it has. And, and, of course, that's been in a lot of government intervention that has caused that and created obstacles that hospitals have tried to deal with. And, and, you know, if you want a good example of just how complicated hospitals in the medical field are, if you or someone you know has been to the hospital recently, just try to read your bill. Exactly. It, it's like 12 pages long, all these line items, and some of them loop back into themselves and everything, and you just throw your hands up and go, okay, how much do I make the check out for? Because that's all you're left with. Yeah. And, and the problem is that bill really doesn't mean anything. <laughs> and, and we fight that constantly. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've been in healthcare all my life, and the biggest challenge we've had has been hospital billing. And it has been, uh, again, the, the payers, um, the government, that's where that has come from. Hospitals did not create that monster. They would love for it to be simple. Um, I had an administrator years ago tell me that, you know, we're rapidly reaching the point that half of our labor force does not take care of patients. We've exceeded that now. Okay, That's part of the system that's broken. Well, and that's part of the system that's going to be very difficult to fix. It will. Uh, Very much so. But that does bring me back around to the question, how do we fix this? What can we do? I mean, the hospitals can't charge more. Heaven knows. Uh, That's both for regulatory reasons and just in general. You know, some people will just stay home and be sick. I I think that's right. And it's, it's not really that they need to charge more. They need to get paid for what they're charging. Uh, and that's what we see constantly um, in, in the fact that if you look at Mississippi's commercial rates and you compare them to other states, we're extremely low. 
Uh, matter of fact, Medicaid pays almost as well as uh, on an inpatient basis, almost as well as our commercial payers. That's a problem. That's an issue. And, of course, we start saying, well, now that's going to affect us because our premiums are going to go up. Well, they shouldn't. If you look back at the bottom lines that our payers have seen over the last couple of years, there shouldn't be any rate increases. Now, certainly everything has to be risk-adjusted, and you have to prepare for it, because you, you don't want the insurance companies to fail either. But when you see hospitals that are on the verge of closing, and you see billion-dollar returns for the payers, then you have to question, okay, now what's wrong with this system? Something's not working like it's supposed to. And, again, as complex as it is, it's hard to identify exactly what you need to do to fix that. There is no question about if you you go through the whole scenario in the state of Mississippi, we have a revenue problem. You know, how do you fix that? Where does it come from? Talking to legislators, you know, we're still very fortunate. We've got two grant bills that are alive. Um, the Senate and the House both have a version. They're about $83 million. And to me, that sounds like a lot of money. But when you're talking about hospitals, it's not. And, and you look, it costs $23 million a day to keep our hospitals operating each day, each day. So, you know, $80 million doesn't go very far when you're looking at numbers that large. But we're very appreciative of that. We, we still need to bump that number up a little bit to try to get out of this hole that the pandemic really put us in. The day prior to the pandemic, our hospitals were running about $132 million a year in the red, collectively, aggregate. And I'm going to speak all in in the, the aggregate numbers. Just everybody hospital. added together. Everybody yeah. put together. And that number exacerbated uh, through the pandemic. And the reason for that is because, just as we talked about, the supply and demand curve ran the cost up for supplies, for labor, for all those things that go into providing that care, but yet the revenue numbers barely moved. Had it not been for the CARES money that came through, we would have seen this much, much earlier. But we've not seen an increase in the revenue numbers that equate to the high inflationary rates that hospitals have seen. So it just continues to be drug out. And certainly if we have um, hospitals that you know have good reserves, they're able to pull on those reserves for a while. But we all have to understand they don't last forever. And you will have systems that are in good shape or have been in good shape in the past that it doesn't take too long. Uh, at $23 million a day, it does not take long to eat up reserves. Uh, well, that, that $80 million is three and a half days. Exactly. You know, exactly. And, and, you know, you get you get 27 left in the month. What are you, you you're going to run out of Band-Aids real quick. At That's that exactly point. right. Well, here to me is the question that strikes to the heart of this, uh, one of them, but uh, the big one right now. Out of all of the hospitals in the state, the the smallest ones, the largest ones, in your estimate, and you may actually know the number, I don't know, how many do we have that are in risk of failing right now? Oh, goodness. That, and that's, uh, that's a difficult question. And, and let, me, let me explain why that's so difficult now. The, the way cash flow works in a hospital, because, you know, we're talking about big numbers. The death of a hospital is slow, slow and painful as we go. Look at Greenwood Flow Hospital, for example. That, that's a perfect example of how long things can be drug out. Because of the amount of revenue that you come in that comes into the facility over time, you can spread out your vendors long enough and pay them a little bit and keep them happy uh, or keep them satisfied. They're not real happy because you still owe them a lot of money. But you can drag it out for so long that it, it becomes very difficult to say, okay, we're going to close next week. Um, have certainly had some calls here lately that uh, have had some hospitals say that they may not make it through the summer. 
um, you know, if we look, here's a pretty good illustration. We took cost reports. The cost reports are what is filed with CMS every year by every hospital. We took the hospitals across the state, five-year period, from 21 back uh, to 17, and, and looked at the numbers. If you look at just patient care revenue, okay, not the other things that they do to try to make things work, just the patient care revenue, there were 11 hospitals in the state of Mississippi that had a positive margin for five years. How many hospitals are there total? Uh, 114, roughly. So about 10%. Mm -hmm. Actually had a that, positive revenue flow. That's, that should scare you. I mean, that, that should scare everybody and say, look, we've got a major problem here. If we hold up a sheet when you look. Now, remember now. Well, I'll tell you what. Hold that thought because we're up against a break. You're got not it. going anywhere. You, nah. got, you got nothing going on. Tim. You got me, man. You got Tim Moore with Mississippi Hospital Association. We continue in the Element Well Studios on middays on Super Talk Mississippi next. <laughs> Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Let's do this. On Super Talk Mississippi. Let's do Welcome back. Super Talk Mississippi Middays live in the Element Well studio. President and the CEO of the Mississippi Hospital Association, Tim Moore, in the studio with us. And we're we're handling all of the meaty questions, I guess you would say. And I'm going to change topics. I know you were talking about something, but you know, I don't care. Uh, it's just honesty day, Tim. Hey, I like, you know, I like honesty. That's many, a good thing. Too many numbers. Let's get into something else here. I uh, got something on the ceasefire text line uh, from Mose who said, I can't understand the let's expand Medicaid crowd. They reimburse at less than costs, and they think they can make up the difference with volume? Hey, great question, and and one that we do hear from time to time. And uh, Dave, I think it goes back to the complexity of our business and and what we do. People tend to forget that uh, about ten percent of the care that's rendered in Mississippi hospitals is uncompensated. It means they don't get paid for it. Nothing. So if you're able to expand the coverage or extend coverage to a group of working poor that do not have it now, that you know they have health care coverage, or not coverage, but access to health care, they're using it, just not paying for it because they can't, then you're able to recoup part of that that you lost. So you, all of a sudden you have something which may be less than you'd really like to have, but it's more than you had to start with. Um, had somebody, uh, we, we had got into this discussion the other day, and I know some folks have used the hamburger stand explanation. And the fact is that, you know, if, if you're going to sell hamburgers for a dollar and then you're going to get paid 50 cents for another one, then how's that going to help you? Well, the point is, if you're not giving 10% of those hamburgers away, then it wouldn't help you. But if you are giving away 10%, then it does help you to pick up 50% of that loss. Now, also, think about health care is that if you decide to get cheese on that hamburger, you have to stop the process and say, wait, 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 we got to call the folks that's going to pay for it and see if you can really have cheese. 
it's just not as simple as what we would like for it to be. You know, you go back and I love to to find uh, retired doctors that have been out for 20 years or so, and they'll pull a bill out, and it's just handwritten, and it'll be $13.50 for the birth of a child, the delivery, you know. And that was the day and time where we really we, we paid for the service that was provided at a reasonable rate, and everything worked. Now we've put so many things into it. Now I'm not saying they're all bad. Quality is extremely important. Education is important. The, the fact that we, we, we are compliant with all the regulations and requirements that are there, they're there for the patient's safety. Maybe they go overboard sometimes. You know, and it creates a lot of cost. But, um, you know, it, it, it's all part of a big plan to maintain the best possible care. At some point in time, even with technology, can we afford that? We have to back up and say, is it affordable? But the short answer, I, I went way out on that one, but it, it's pretty simple if you stop and think about it. And keep in mind, hospitals have to give away some services because of Mtala. And it is required that if you go to the hospital that you have a medical screening. And if they determine that medical screening is life-threatening, they provide care to you regardless of your ability to pay. It just doesn't matter. There's not another business in the world that works like that. Yes. So and that, just that was, keep that in mind. That was one thing I was going to point out. For a lot of these that you give away the free care, you don't have a choice. You do not. Yeah, You cannot say, not. no, I'm sorry, you can't pay. We, we're not going to do anything for you. You have to. Which uh, Mose just came back and said, he just said it. It's still a loss, yes, but I think you're missing, Mose. He said it's less of a loss. Right. And I think right. a less of a loss is better than just a loss. Than, than the bigger loss. Yes. That, that's the point you're making. That's right. If you look at hospitals, and I just mentioned that 11, okay, when you dig into those those hospitals a little closer, you find out they have a low margin of uncompensated care. Okay, so you've got a small number that's not paying, and then you have a larger margin of commercial payers. So it offsets that difference. Um, now, so much of our business has gone to outpatient now. So the focus is on outpatient. And certainly our rates have, have adjusted some on the outpatient side, and that, thank goodness they did. But our rates on the inpatient basis, and, and a lot of that is a deterrent to try to keep people out of the hospital. But, hey, if you put them in the hospital, they're not going to pay you for it. Well, sometimes you have to go in the hospital because sooner or later our old bodies just break down. We just can't help that. That's, that's how God made us. So we, we wear out. So at some point we have to be, realize that that cost is going to be there. Now, we should prevent that as long as we can. We all agree with that. Let's keep people healthy. That's the way to do it. So when you start digging into the expansion or or the extension of care to another population, keeping them healthy reduces the long-term care cost in, in any population. If you provide care and keep people healthy, that is the least expensive health care policy you can possibly put in place. So I take it from all of this that you would be okay with an expansion of Medicaid. I, I would. I've thought about it a lot, and I think it would work well. I, I got that rough impression. That I, well, I wasn't sure, but I just wanted to make sure that I was there. You know, and not just from a hospital perspective, Dave. I mean, it, this is it, it is a, it's a moral obligation as well. We've got working Mississippians that in some cases are working three jobs. They're part-time jobs, so the employer doesn't provide health care insurance. They get sick just like we do. And look, if they get sick, then they're out of three positions, not just one. So we improve the workforce. We keep them healthy. 
we limit our potential for public health issues that can arise from people not getting health care as they need it. So there's a lot of different reasons other than just financial. However, if you look at it from an economic impact study, it's a no-brainer for the state of Mississippi to pick up additional revenue. And we're certainly excited about the revenue we have now. What's wrong with getting some more? Well, uh, Thomas in Greenwood has a couple of questions here. One of them, would you support the repeal of EMTALA? You know, uh, we've talked a lot about that, and I, I think we have to be careful, but yes, uh, in, in most cases, I would. Now, r- remember why we, we put EMTALA in place to start with, and that was to make sure that people that, that did not have the ability to pay would still be treated and that they would be screened and make sure that there was nothing life-threatening. We don't want people walking out and dying on the street. I don't think that is an issue with hospitals now. Hospitals just don't let people die. I mean, we just don't do that. That's against the mission, okay, of what we're trying to accomplish. So I don't think Imtala has the same place that it did back in the time that it was passed. Um, That would probably be a tough one to repeal. Uh, it would be tough. It's going to be an uphill battle, yeah. It, it would be a, but you know, there's there's another component to that is if you extended it to other other sectors of healthcare. In other words, if if you have ambulatory surgery centers or you have imaging centers or you have other places that provide healthcare services, they should be providing as much uncompensated care as the hospital is in that local area. I mean, that's a different twist, but that makes sense. It, it, it does. I mean, either that or, you know, we've got a trauma system in the state of Mississippi, and if you don't participate to your maximum level, you pay back into the trauma system. So it's a buyer's deal, okay? So if you don't want to be in the trauma system at all, you have a rate you pay back in. It offsets costs to the other hospitals. You could do something similar to that. If if you're not going to provide 24-7 care and uncompensated care coverage, then you pay into a system that helps the other hospitals provide that. That's just a different thought. Yeah, just uh, just a different way of looking at things. But I think that be may innovative. be what it takes from all sides to to meet somewhere in the middle on some of these things sure. and, and make some progress. Because that's the other thing that I think we tend to forget sometimes is that just about everything. Uh, what what color M M&M and M is the best is a hugely divisive <laughs> issue these days. Everything <laughs> is, as Rhino has said a million times. Where's the truth usually found, Rhino? Somewhere in the middle. Right, exactly. <laughs> Somewhere in the middle. I so tend to agree. That, that's just the way it works. Yep. So we've got to find a way to come together in the middle somewhere and at least make some progress because guess what? Less of a loss is better than a full loss. There you go. You know, Dave, and I mentioned earlier, I, I've been a conservative all my life. I mean, that's just where I was, I was raised and how I brought up. I've also run hospital. And I know what it takes to make that work. Uh, what it, it, it and you know, most of our hospitals are somewhere between the first and third largest employer in a town. If you lose them, you not only lose that employment, you start losing other employment because large businesses do not want to go to an area that does not have health care coverage, quick access to health care. So it is an economic issue. It, it's just like, um, you know, none of us want to go to the hospital. None of us want to have a fire either, but we maintain the fire department. We make sure it's there, and we want it to be there. We don't we don't argue about that. We don't fuss about it. Well, health care is very much a similar situation. We have to have it there in case we need it. That's exactly right. 
Tim Moore, president and CEO of the Mississippi Hospital Association. I always enjoy talking to you, man. Well, thank you. I enjoy being here. It's always a good conversation. And, uh, you know, before you go, my shoulder's been acting up. If you could take a look at it during the break, it'd be <laughs> we'll great. We'll check it out. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> thank you so much, Tim. Hopefully I'll talk to you again soon. Soon. We will continue. We'll probably get... You, you want to stick around and talk finance and banking some more? <laughs> oh, I better get out while I'm ahead. He just remembered a very important <laughs> uh, meeting that he's got to be at. We'll continue <sighs> in the Element Well Studios, live on Middays, next. With Gerard Gibbert. It is on. On Super Talk Mississippi. good bumper for today as always you're right on point just right there welcome back to the element well studios dave hughes here we still have a giveaway to do right oh yeah Uh, before we go to the next break let's go ahead and take care of that uh we're giving away tickets to see train in september live at the brandon amphitheater september 17th to be exact uh, and we're going to have that chance for you to win coming up here in just a few minutes. Don't worry about that. Uh, sports talk on the road this week, Friday, right? I believe so. Yeah, they're uh, going to be at the sports book at the Time Out Lounge at the Pearl River Resort. Like there's some big sports thing going on right now. Like anybody's filling out a bracket at the moment. One more. We're in March, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, okay. It's, it just feels like it's just madness. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'll be here today and tomorrow. Um, the bank situation, just to give you an update. So far today, First Republic Bank, that's the next one in the crosshairs, looks like, has dropped 79% in its stock value. Western Alliance Bank Corp. has dropped 85 percent on the stock market so far today <sighs> pack west bank corp down 60 percent there's multiples that are dropping 20 percent that, that's a fairly common number for today uh, and this goes back to what we were talking about last hour it's the speed. It's the, the the volatility has reached an entirely different level. It used to would start slow and then turn into a gas fire. We're using jet fuel now. It's an entirely different level of heat in terms of how quickly it heats up and how hot it burns. That's what we're seeing with all of this. Everybody is running around. Everybody can turn into a mob, basically, without getting out of their bed without actually actually talking to anyone just from the spread through social media and other uh, other methods. You do know the IQ of a mob. I think we've talked about that before. 
It's only about half of the mob's dumbest member. The the best that I've ever seen is you take the IQ of the smartest member of the mob and divide it by the number of mobsters. That's the IQ of the mob. That, that's it's pretty close. So everybody, when they get in a fear-driven situation, and that's all we live in nowadays, by design, everybody is continuously stoked and pumped and prodded to be afraid for their lives every moment of every day. So when something like this happens, it's a hair trigger. So it goes off. We have, I, I was telling you this before the show, Charles Schwab, very well-respected bank. They issued their monthly report today. They do put one out every month of their assets, their holdings, their liabilities, all of that. They are very liquid. They, they, their liabilities are not very much at all compared to the rest of it. They have one of the best positions of any banks in America. They put that report out to reassure everyone, hey, and they even mentioned in it, with the current environment, we thought it would be best to make sure everybody knows that we are in an excellent position for all of this, it's not a problem, and they dropped 20%. They gave out nothing but good news, and everybody went, but, 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 and started selling. That's where we're at. The facts, when, when a panic starts to take over, the facts no longer matter. The herd just moves. Well, it stampedes, which is a type of movement. I'll give it that. Here's my question for you, Rhino. Where does this end up? Hmm. I don't ask you the easy ones. You know that. I think we will know more this time tomorrow, but unless something changes, it could get hairy in a hurry. Yeah. Well, I, 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 let me say this. If they are smart, the Fed will do a quick drop back on the statement that we got last meet, week from Powell when he said, uh, we're going to have to raise the interest rates even more aggressively now moving forward. Uh, he better backpedal on that. That would be a step in the right direction. If he would come out and go, in light of the current climate, we have decided to freeze the interest rate at this time for the next month or two. Give everybody a chance to breathe. But so far, we've heard nothing from him about the The, only, the last thing, the most recent comment we've had from the Fed is, oh, we're going to raise the interest rates even more. We may go up a, a full point, full hundred basis points. It may, it may be coming next week which is not helping the situation because that's where everybody's head is at as they're looking at all the other news that starts. So I think at this point we all need to take a moment. I know it's March, but we all need to go back and watch It's a Wonderful Life again because the Bailey Savings and Loan, I keep seeing people refer to it online, and it's actually fitting because, remember, everybody shows up to suck their money out of the bank all at one time after Mr. Potter... Uh, sparks a run, uh, and, and go back and look not just at the mechanics of it, but how that run started, how it started, why it started, what was the basis for it. it didn't have a lot of basis, in fact. And then George had to explain to everybody 
Uh, you know, my, your money's not in the bank. Your money is in Frank's house, and it's in, you know, Fred, Fred's barn and cattle. And, you know, that, that's the way it works. That's the way banking works. I, I think that's a good training film for everybody to watch. Take a breath and realize the vast majority of banks don't have the problems that Silicon Valley Bank had. Same thing with Signature Bank. Same thing with First Republic Bank. Those are different animals. The problem is, once again, once the fear starts to kick in, people don't care about the facts anymore. So it doesn't matter how solvent your bank is. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you decide they're going to fail and then everybody runs down there and sucks their money out at one time, guess what happens? There's been a lot of value lost in the last 48 hours, but until that reaches $100 billion, we're still keeping our head above water as a society. Because after the 2008 financial crisis, they set aside bank fees, a percentage of bank fees, into a fund that's flush with about $100 billion right now, for situations such as this. We haven't quite gotten to $100 billion in losses, so we're still head above water. If for some reason the runs continue, it affects more normal banks, then it starts to get hairy in a hurry. Yeah, and we come back to the same advice I feel like I have given a million times. And I, I, we talked about this during the break a minute ago. Uh, if Gerard hadn't taken time off, this is his wheelhouse. This, this this is his bread and butter both, with some cheese. So I'm giving you a different angle and a different type of advice on this whole situation. And as usual, because I am who I am, it comes back to psychology. Everybody calm down. That's the best advice possible. But, 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 yeah, yeah, okay. You really need to quit focusing on your behind. The butts are what get you. There's never a good butt. You notice that? I beg to differ. There's a beautiful word in the English language to describe a beautiful butt. Calipigian. Spell it. C-A-L-L-I-P-Y-G-I-A-N. See, I don't know why I asked you to spell it. I have no idea if that's right or not. I don't either. Yeah, that could have just been random letters. Sounded good, though. You were convincing. You had a very convincing tone of voice. But, yeah, I really thought you were going with a different angle on beautiful butts, but that's okay. Well, I mean, Sir Makes a Lot had a song about it. I am desperately scrabbling around in the dark recesses of my brain for an anaconda joke, and I can't think of one. Uh, Thomas on the ceasefire text line, the nature of man reigns supreme and never changes. Yeah, you're not wrong, Thomas. 100% not wrong. That's the way we way things are. We still have to give away the tickets. We do. Music snuck up on me. We'll get it knocked out first thing next segment. Yeah, we'll do that. That's, that's a good final segment. Hey, let's end on a high note on this Monday. How about that? Sounds like a plan. I like that. When we come back, your chance to win tickets to see Train at the Brandon Amphitheater. 
right here in the Element Well Studios on Middays, Super Talk Mississippi. Final segment up next. With Gerard Gibbert. Rolling. Three, two, one. On Super Talk, Mississippi. (laughs) Why not? Welcome back. Middays in the Element Wealth Studios here in the Financial Jungle. On middays, and uh, you know, heck with all that. Let's go ahead. We got to give away the tickets, and we're going to do it right now, Rhino. Oh yeah, we got some tickets to give away. Grammy award-winning and platinum-selling band Train. They're going to be at the Brandon Amphitheater on September seventeenth. You can buy tickets at Ticketmaster starting this Friday, or you can swing by the Brandon Amphitheater box office. But if you want a chance to win tickets before you can even buy them. All you got to do is be the 15th person to text into the C Spire text line 601-879-4395. Be the 15th person to text in the word Jupiter. And you'll win a pair of tickets to see Train at the Brandon Amphitheater in Brandon on September 17th. I do have to ask, after our experience in the last segment, does spelling count? Do they have to spell it correctly? If I can tell you're saying Jupiter, it'll be okay. Okay. So J O O. P T U R <laughs> that that passes. Okay, I'm just making sure I'm making sure that everything is clear so that we get an appropriate winner here because I don't want anybody to be shorted on their chance to get the tickets to go see Train. Good band. They're one of those bands that you know they they made a splash, and then you didn't hear anything from them for a while. I'm like what, what's what's going on here? Well, that was what was going on. They were building up and getting ready. And now here they come. All I know is we have already gotten the first 712 texts. We got a winner. I'm just confirming with them. And it looks like most of them spell Jupiter correctly. So it's a good Monday. Good job. Proud of you. Pat yourself on the back. Good job. I was half expecting somebody to sarcastically misspell it just to see what happened. And they're still rolling in. We, As long as they confirm back, we've got our winner. So just hold on for that. Uh, we, we have, man, some of these things you can't make up, some of these things you wouldn't want to make up. You remember Jim Baker? Oh, yeah. Jim Baker, who is uh, still going on uh, and and making himself some money he is currently do it doing it on the Jim Baker show by uh, selling selling something uh, called the is it is that the official name of it yeah the end times survival bucket well of course it's a bucket full of, uh, of rations basically for you to survive on 
after, you know, the rapture happens. Okay, by definition, I think most of the people that aren't going to get taken in the rapture ain't watching Jim Baker. So I don't know who his suspected target audience is for this, but people have been mocking him for that, for for that reason and other reasons. So he has now come right out and said that anybody that mocks his end-time bucket of vittles is satanic. So guess what category I'm in now, Rhino? I'm, I'm sure your fandom of certain tabletop board games and role-playing games already labeled you satanic about 30 years ago. Oh, yeah, I've been there. I've been there for a while. <sighs> you kidding me? I used to listen to Motley Crue. <gasps> yeah, see, I'm doomed to begin with. <laughs> I'm irredeemable at this point. Did we hear back from our winner? Not yet. Okay, we're working on it. Let me see here. No, they didn't. Oh, wow. Somebody, Chris from Oxford, I have to give you bonus points. That's not misspelling. He spelled Jupiter backwards. How long did you have to sit there and sound that out to do it? It would have taken me a minute. I freely admit that. Let's see. The R is easy. What was, yeah. Spelling backwards. That should be a skill that is judged. He was he was not our winner, but uh, you know maybe we can get him a consolation prize. Got any pins left? There's got to be something we could slide in his direction. <laughs> Chris says, "Yeah, it did take me a second. I'll bet it did, but you still pulled it off. Well done, perfect." We have our winner now. We do. Jared won a pair of tickets to see Train on September 17th at the Brandon Amphitheater. So congratulations, Jared. Jared, if he didn't already have somebody selected, now has a bunch of best friends that he didn't know he had because he's getting a pair of tickets, and there's just one Jared. So, Jared, you might you might want to, you know, turn your cell phone off for a bit. Everybody's going to want to be your buddy moving forward. Uh, I will be back tomorrow. Uh, hopefully we'll have more cheerful topics to talk about. I'm not going to bet the farm. I'm not betting the farm on anything right now. The farm's barely hanging on as it is. Let's not push it. But we'll see what happens. Let's just pay attention. All I know for sure is we were all reassured that everything's going to be fine by President Joe Biden earlier today. Uh, And I'm sure at some point later this afternoon, somebody will tell him what he said. And then he'll make it happen. So it'll be great. Have a wonderful day. Tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock, we do it again, live in the Element Wealth Studios on Super Talk Mississippi, my friend. See you then. Mississippi Media Production.